listening to the Ed Reach Network. Ed Gamer, episode 84 on Ed Reach. U.S. government will not build a Death Star. Boo. Boo. Yeah. This is Ed Gamer for Saturday, January 12th, 2013. Still having trouble with that, Jerry. Ed Gamer's part of the EdReach Network, edreach.us, giving education a voice. A big voice. Not a Darth Vader voice? or. I was going to try something like... A big voice. <laughs> yeah. Is that any good? Was that good? Not so much. Was it good? No. Did you like it? No, the, the breathing was good. Okay. Yeah, that's enough, Jerry. This show is dedicated to education gaming on any platform. We will give you the education angle on any type of games, ranging from tabletops to MMOs. We will discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I am the one that's not breathing heavy. I'm Zach. And I'm Jerry. Jerry? Other than breathing heavy, what do you do? My name is Jerry James, and I am a Darth Vader impersonator. I'm sorry, I'm a visual arts educator in Schaumburg, Illinois. And my name is Zach Gilbert, and I'm your host. I'm a sixth grade, sixth grade social studies language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois. Oh, Jerry, I told you before that having a full week coming back from break is very difficult. It is brutal. I I. I wish we had like a two-day week or something to, uh, you know, to break it up because that was a long five days. To ease back in, and I said that, didn't I? You did. I did. I did mention that, and I think some teachers were agreeing with me after this week. It, it was, it was a full week. Yeah, kids were a little. And some. At the end. Yeah, and some people are just like, you know, any non-teachers out there, like, yeah, welcome to the real world. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's tough. It's different. It's, it's even different. when you take a a vacation from a quote unquote regular job. Yeah. And come back for a full week, it is it is tough. Definitely. So, uh, the, our title of our show. Yeah. Uh, the White House is. I guess they're they have this uh, website set up to where you can have a petition and if you get 25,000 signatures within 30 days the White House has to officially they, respond yes, they legally have to respond doesn't mean know, they'll legally. actually consider it but they do have to respond yeah. yeah well they've said they will respond I don't know if it's a legal thing it is it something is the president probably not legal I shouldn't have said that yeah glad you're not the press secretary for you know the president I would just say no to most of them well, there, there were some good ones in there, actually. There were some good ones. Have you ever okay. read through the list? Not not really. It's become a little abused now, if you've ever looked through the page. I mean, it's like there's like 500 pages worth of proposals because you have to get the signatures, but you get the signatures while it's on the page. So there's just so many proposals now. You know, like there was one of like Jerry James should be given a million dollars a year for the rest of his life. I don't know who started that one, but uh, I don't know, if Jerry. anyone's interested in signing it. I only need 24,999 more signatures. (laughs) And it just means they'll give you a response. It doesn't mean that they'll actually give you a million dollars. Hoping for a yes. Not going to lie. Okay. Okay. You you keep hoping on that. So somebody put out there that we should build a Death Star, and they came up with some really good reasons why, you know, saying that it would would bring jobs and, you know, (laughs) I guess protect us. Uh, And so what's really nice about this is the fact 
that the person that wrote the response, Paul Shawcross, must be a, a geek just like us. So he, you know, put out there saying that this isn't the petition response you're looking for. <laughs> so it goes into the whole reason why it's, you know, there's no reason why we need to spend, I guess, an estimated cost of 850 quadrillion dollars or something. <laughs> uh, I've you know, got that sitting around. Right. Yeah. And so it would, why increase our deficit? And we don't support blowing up planets. Well, and it has a fundamental flaw that can be exploited by a one-man starship. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy was quite creative. I thought it was very cool. I, so I just I, think it's great that the White House answered him. That's fantastic. Yeah, well, answered it in such a a cool way. I see this being wildly abused now. <laughs> uh, it has been. <laughs> well, I think it's going to get worse. I think you're going to start seeing like making Minecraft the official game of the United States, you know, cause that's gonna even though 5,000 signatures in like 10 minutes on the internet. <laughs> yeah. But even though it was developed over in Europe, <laughs> over in Europe. Yeah. Well, I good to know. Maybe we could okay. change the flag. There's going to be all kinds of goofy things on here. Do we talk about the sure. Texas one? Did you ever see the Texas one? No, like there, this, the, the first time I ever heard about this was Texas was not happy with, uh, President Obama being yes. elected, so they wanted to secede from the country. And Austin, being <laughs> sort of the opposite of Texas, in Texas, said, filed a counterpetition that if Texas were to secede, they wanted to secede from Texas to still be <laughs> part of the United States. Oh, that's funny. While located in the middle of Texas. It'd be like, uh, you know, Berlin, <laughs> East and West Germany. <laughs> West Berlin, yeah, that would have been that'd be interesting. Yeah. That, it's that's an interesting. Yeah, I got many things rolling through my head. I can see that none of them I really <laughs> think I should, be should be on this show. So. Uh huh. Yeah, I shouldn't be sharing out loud. So did you uh, did you meet with your game club this week? Yeah, met with a little bit with game club, but I was heavily involved in our game design club is a separate club that we have. We have a board gaming club, and then we have a club where we design video games, and we do that through Unity, the game engine, which is always and, exciting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And you get you guys are preparing for the ICE conference? Yep, we have kids. Um, currently, <clears throat> we went through a long process talking about um, terrains, so they're creating a, um, a terrain. We're calling it like a battle map for them. Um, these are kids that were in uh, 3D graphics, classes so they have created uh like a, a villain in another program which we will import into there um and then we've created we had them we talked about battle maps we talked about like encounters in a video game so we talked about leading someone through there you know and they start with a flat terrain they build up um, uh, essentially a trail or a path for you to follow throughout the game and then um they set up different encounters and uh, we've just implemented a, you know, a firing weapon into it now, um, which we're going back and forth on whether it's going to be a gun or if it's going to be a laser type thing, you know, just to keep it school friendly, if you will. To keep it real. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's kind of got the first person shooter type thing going on. And then now what we are doing is uh, putting them all up on Jibe, which is like a, an internet type server Dealy and NIU is helping us out with this again and the kids will now be able to click when they go to this website click on a link to go to each other's rooms 
um, that's what we call them, rooms, but it's essentially into their terrains and walk around and uh, they'll become video game testers because they will be um, critiquing each other on their video game levels. So, very, very cool. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, I mean, the we, we spent the last week because this is the time of the year where we have to recruit for next year. You know, we're uh, promoting the electives because we, we fight for, all the electives fight for, very small amount of scheduled room in student schedules, which is kind of sad. You know, they're forced to take four years of science and math and English, which none of the, all of those things are important. Um, they're more important to the state and its testing programs, but all of those things are important. But for some of these kids that are going on into careers in, in the arts or in video game design, we have some serious classes that would be helpful for them. But yeah, another argument for another time. Um, and we, uh, we've been showing off unity cause, uh, it's pretty cool. I don't know if you're, I mean, I know you're a little familiar with it, but if people aren't, it's uh it's the game design engine. They put out a totally free version of it, which is nice. If you want to publish to either the app store or the Android market, you pay a small licensing fee. And by small, I mean like a couple hundred bucks, which these days is not, not that bad for putting out your own, your own games. But uh, a lot of things have been using it lately. The Room, the uh, the number one game, yeah. the iTunes Store, uh, Temple yes. Run. It's always a big one with the kids. That was designed in Unity, so a lot of cool stuff. Kids are uh, kids are really excited about it. Cool. And then they're going to present this at the Illinois Computer Educators ICE conference. Yeah, we're toying with actually having a student come to show the. Uh, the terrain that he has created. Uh, not sure if we'll be able to do that, but at least myself and uh, Jackie Setapani, who is one of the other art teachers and kind of spearheading a lot of a lot of this stuff through her classes as well, um, will be presenting the stuff that these students have been doing, and uh, also give people a chance to walk around, since it's the virtual world playground, and actually play in Unity a little bit and uh, see how it works. Ooh, I'm gonna come. Yeah, yeah, check. I'm gonna come and play. Check it out. I will check it out. Now, are they going to present at SIT? Do you have a you have a couple SIT conferences up there? Um, I think that's a good question. We should, I guess. We stand for SIT too. I know you'd right. No, you you really yeah because it's student led conference. Very cool. So yeah, I think that's something you guys should look at. I'm definitely and uh, that now that you yeah yeah because I, like I said, I think there's a couple sites up there. Because Chicago's kind of big. It, it is, um, how do you say, large, I think. Yeah. Large and in charge. It's not small. No. Uh, so I, I met with my game club this week. How'd that go? And uh, I was a little overwhelmed. Uh, I had 30 students. That's amazing, though. That was pretty cool. Uh, we had Minecraft going, and then we also had some Civilization going on. And then we had some kids that were just playing some odds and end games. We were in the IMC and using the computer lab there, and uh, I think we cleaned up quite well. So hopefully, my friend, who's the IMC specialist, is you know pleased that we didn't destroy anything because you know us geeks, <laughs> you know we get a little wild. So no, I, th- I, I the kids had a blast. I passed out. Uh, you passed out. I passed out. That's on not good. No, I I handed out. Mm the SIC conference information so the students can sign up and they're really excited about creating uh, for the contest before the conference and then also for the, con- you know, uh, there'll be a contest during contest during the conference. Hmm. So they're they're pretty excited about that. Yeah, so I, I, and I, 
I have a funny feeling I'd have a lot more students there, but we have a lot of sports in session, you know, that are in season. And we're, like I said, I think we were missing, we, I probably could have easily had 50 kids. So I'm getting some parent volunteers <laughs> to help out. It was just a lot of, a lot of kids, <laughs> a lot of kids. And I don't mind it. It's just trying to keep track and, and see what they're doing and, and help them out. And I think that's something that uh, we'll just have to look at. But the kids had a blast. Hmm. I, I stay after school and I get to play Minecraft with other kids. Very cool. Hmm. That sounds exciting. Yeah, it is. Okay, so first article here. Well, second article because the Death Star was the first one. How Minecraft taught my nine-year-old son with Asperger's to read and write. And this came from Patrick Black from Exceptional uh, through EdReach. And he sent me this, which is... Very cool. And considering the fact that, um, I, I don't know about you, but I'm having a lot more students over the years, uh, over these last few years that have, that are basically what you would consider on the spectrum in some way. I think sure. everybody's sure. on the spectrum in some way, shape, or form. I think that's the idea of the spectrum, yeah. Yes. And this kid uh, says, I'm going to read the first little paragraph here. I'm aware uh, that the title of the blog post might be slightly provocative. Good. That's the point. I really want you to uh, uh, want you. I really want you, who are working in school, to read this post. Or maybe you are a parent like me, worried about your child playing games rather than doing homework and learning something. So he goes in this. It, it's great. Uh, he talks about different learning styles. He talks about game mechanisms, living with Asperger's syndrome, and Minecraft as a teaching tool. Hmm. And how they he used Minecraft for learning, and I think it's awesome. I think it's superb, and it, it definitely is something. And last night when I had my game club, I had many different, many different types of kids there, and it's something that can reach all students. So I probably have a few students that were could be very similar to the, what this student is like. Hmm. And uh, it's really neat to see their processing and how they're working through it. And they're working with other kids. How do you do this? How do you do that? You know, and kids are going around helping each other and, you know, in order to create. And it was really just a neat sight to see. So very cool. Yeah. So I thought that was a very cool article. We'll have that in our show notes. Um, Got this from Cameron Foster uh, on Twitter. He was talking about how Victoria 2 being used like civilization in the classroom and Victoria 2 is a strategy game in the colonial area era of the 19th century where players take control of countries guiding them through industrialization political forms military conquest and colonization and if I remember correctly um, Cameron is from Australia and he was talking about how this fits within the I guess standards or, or whatever their common core is for Australia and says it fits perfectly within there. So I think that's something I'm going to have to take a look at. So I have a question for you while we yeah. reach this point. So we were talking about, um, you know, the game we were talking about last week. Um, Merriweather? Yes, Merriweather. Yes. Um, and then Victoria and from hanging out with you at Gen Con, seeing the wide array of, um, historical games there. Oh, yes. Do you think, 
I'm trying to decide here, and it might be hard for you to separate yourself from this because of who you are. Do you think that there is an, a, a bigger bulk of of history, social studies, and and those type of themed games in in our category of educational gaming, or do we just find a lot because you're always looking and you're you know a social studies teacher? Does that make sense? Yes, and there is. Uh, I think it people seems to that me there are into... just so many fantastic history-based games, and I'm trying to there decide is. if we just keep finding them because of you, or if it, if there really are. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, it's it's because yes, because I teach history, so I mean that makes it it makes it easier because I'm always looking for these type of type of games. I think there's a connection because you know, like you said, when we were at Gen Con, seeing all these board games, and there were a lot of games based crazy. on history. There was like a full, like, I'm not gonna say a quarter, but like a little eighth of that, you know, room was like all history games. Yeah, and there's I think there's a connection between those that like games, those that like history, but then there's also a huge connection, which with history itself, there's a huge connection to literature, yeah, to storytelling. And and then having that graphically shown. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a huge connection between history. There's a huge connection between literature and there's a huge connection between the graphic and, you know, the fine arts. I guess the only thing that I really see connect as strongly as history in this field is sci-fi. Yes. So, I mean, sci-fi well, is just huge. Yeah. And then but the, the math that's involved, too, because in order to play some of these games, to understand the rules, to be able to... Um, to be able to strategize and, and, and to understand them, you have to understand math. Definitely. And and there's science. I mean, it's it's all there. But yes, the themes. It's easy to. It's nice to come up with themed type games mm-hmm. because history's already been there. Right. You know, it, it's it's already written. But you can either play the historical, right, or you can, or you, can yeah. you can alter it, and then you start getting into science fiction, and then you start getting into fantasy, and that really. People that like to read that stuff want to – we visualize it in our head. You know, when I was a kid with Star Wars, I wanted to be Luke Skywalker or Han Solo and, you know, save the princess. That's – I mean, it, it's it's a newer form of that, you know, of that genre. But it's – I wanted to act that out, and games can do that. Game, games can do that. So when I see Star Wars online – or you know when I play Dungeons and Dragons, you know you play that in a in a game, or you can, it, or you read a story and they've turned it into a game. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. The big ones recently are the zombie is the zombie stuff. Mm, yeah, right. Definitely. The Walking yep. Dead. You know what have they done? They've turned that into a game. Yeah. Right. It, it, so now you can, I guess, act on it and take that story even further. And we know this. Games are taking. The storytelling to an even higher level. Oh yeah, absolutely. And someday we will have our our virtual reality. We'll have our holodecks, like in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, and can run away from the zombies. <laughs> we can put it on the uh, the Death Star. Yes, yeah, we could be on the Death Star, but we don't have to sp- spend eight hundred and fifty quadrillion dollars. Quadrillion dollars, yeah. Yes, exactly. Might be slightly expensive. Yeah. Hey, uh, Nilo from uh, Sweden sent us a link. Lag. Stop it. Okay. So, <laughs> I, I 
Okay, pronounce this game. Just say it. Uh, d do d zero three d. Or you know what? Dude. Well, yeah, it's d zero x three d. Which okay, now I'm saying it's like d zero times three d, or is it docs three d? But it's a zero. Docs. Oh, I didn't, I didn't think about that. I didn't either. Docs three d. We couldn't find anywhere on how to. I I guess would have been nice is that it was on the BBC Radio 5 Outriders podcast. I'm guessing they would have pronounced it there. We probably should have listened to that. We probably should have listened to that. Sorry, Nilo. Note to self. I didn't get a chance. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see that. But what was really cool was the fact that it's it's already on Board Game Geek, and they have some introduction uh, videos on how to play the game, and they're actually nicely done. And what's really nice here is they actually give a description of it. So... Uh, D zero times three D or Docs. I'm guessing people are gonna call it Docs three D. Yeah. I don't know. Is a cooperative game for two to four players. Players assume the role of hackers infiltrating a network. It's it's a card based you know tabletop game. Um, together you need to collect shares of digital assets and use these to recapture stolen digital assets. Once you get all four digital assets. You and the other players need to escape the network without being caught, without getting caught. Each round, the admins patch the network, and they may detect your intrusion. If the admins begin to suspect that you're in the network, machines may get decommissioned for forensic investigation. The network threat level increases, and you and your friends might get caught. What if it's D, zero times three, which we know is zero... D. What you... So it's DOD. Okay. It's like the Department of Defense. Or maybe it's maybe it's three O's. Dude. <laughs> or maybe it's Dodd. Oh my goodness. I'm gonna keep working okay. on it. Somebody's gonna really make fun of us on this. <laughs> so there's some great videos on the Board Game Geeks uh, website. And this kind of reminds me of Pandemic. Yeah. So I thought I just, it was kind I of like the concept. I think it's cool that, you know, to, totally different take on board games teaching these different kind of skills, you know, yeah. like a network security game. Very cool. That's something you would think would have to be done on a computer, you know, because like they made like hacker games, you know, like, oh, see if you can hack this before, you know, what it, but it's on a computer. But this is taking something so digital and moving it to board game, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it, it's it is kind of cool. I mean, you get you get these cards laying out on a on a table, and they have a, a VoIP server, they have a web server, they have a primary and secondary DNS server, and then you have clients and backup file server. I mean, there's yeah, there's all these how they integrate. This is it'd be very cool to see. I think this takes on the role of not just geek, but this takes it to another level. This is like super geek. This is like the superest geeky, you know digital technology extremism happening in a geeky form of a board game. So I could take this to my little board game group that I go to, and I think we'd be all over this. It's <laughs> awesome. Because all of them, I am pretty sure, work in uh, systems. Cool. So what, what else? I, you know, this just opens up the door to what else can we teach through board games? You know, it's a very new well, concept taught through a board right. game. It's cool. And I think... If I'm reading this right, this is an open source project. That's I, yeah, I did see that. And made freely available. So, you know, I don't know if people are, you know, it's designed to introduce a diverse 
body of students to network security terminology, attack and defend mechanisms, and basic security constructs. It makes me wonder what else you can modify it to to do. Yeah, definitely. You know, this, this type of board game. Very cool. Or tabletop game, I should say. Okay, last article. Okay. And you found this one. I did. I was just yeah. cruising around... Uh, <laughs> Cruising around the interwebs, and I get a Homeland Security alert. Actually, I'm not going to lie. They called my phone, and they said, you know, Jerry, should should we do this? You know, and I was like, well, I don't know, guys. I get I get calls from Homeland Security every once in a while just to, just to run ideas past me. Right. I'm sure that's what they're calling for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not checking up on you. <laughs> uh, so there was a – the, the title is Homeland Security Urges Computer Users to Disable Java which is interesting browsers using java on all operating systems vulnerable to hackers the u.s government says so i found this in a local article out of the chicago tribune couldn't find anything about it on msn or a larger national site but um i don't I, you know interesting just saying that uh java could be a way for people to sneak in you know <clears throat> and infect systems things like that it's I, I guess coming out of Homeland Security, that's a pretty big, <laughs> kind of a big hit to Java, actually. You know. Uh, yeah, and it's something that uh, somebody that I follow a little bit through the twit, uh, through twit. You know, it's um, Steve Gibson. Twitter. No, it's um, oh goodness gracious. Websites. Now. No, 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 no. Twit TV with Leo Laporte. Okay. So Twit TV is is a host of different shows, technology wise and such, and they have security now. It's a podcast, and Steve Gibson is the the person that is the main guy that that Leo Laporte uses, and he's been talking about Java and Adobe and many other problems with software. Java's been one that I'm very leery about, and I know a lot of teachers out there just install certain things to maybe get videos or other other things that would help them out in the classroom and they are Java based and they just install it. And I'm just, I'm telling teachers all the time, I don't trust unless I know the company, I really don't trust installing anything that deals with Java. See, this, this is going to be interesting because if they say disable Java for everything and Scott Weidig can correct me if I'm wrong here, but, um, our gradebook program through Infinite Campus uses Java, <laughs> so uh, that should be interesting. I guess I can't yeah. do grades anymore. Sorry, Scott. Yeah, it's it's Java's not a great program. I mean, a lot of people use it. A lot of people create with it. We I've tried we, to mess with it. It's not any fun problems at all. with it in our in our Infinite Campus dealings. So I, you know, we haven't we haven't had any problems with it. I, you know, but I'm just thinking. Boy, if they, I mean, if Homeland Security says you got to disable it, is that going to impact? I'm guessing there's some way that he can block some of that I, stuff. I, I would think so. I would think. I, I would hope that, so. You know, who knows? Or he's he's yelling at you know while he's listening. It's like, no, we can't block it, and I wish we weren't using Java. <laughs> we should have gotten him on for this. That would have been a good. One. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's I think that's about it. So we got a link to this article. I would ask people in, you know, your tech people in the district to see what they say about this because it's, yeah, Java's not a good one. Adobe is horrible. It's just, there's so many holes in it. Um, Windows just released some some updates just recently too, so you got to be careful of those. 
Anything else, Jerry? I think that's it. Okay. I think, uh, yeah, half an hour. That's pretty good. I think that's enough for people to, you to people put up with. Lucky. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to this week's Ed Gamer podcast. Please follow us on edreach.us and also follow all the great podcasts and blog posts on the EdReach Network. Have a great week. I'm moving to Seattle. We must revolt. Oh, why are you moving to Seattle, Jerry? Because they're revolting against standardized testing. Yes. They're boycotting. They I think there are many people that are doing it's that. It's time. Now is the time. Is to rise. You know what? I'll write the White House. We should do a petition. <laughs> you think, I bet we could get 25,000 signatures to you, boycott standardized tests. Why am I thinking somebody's already probably put that on there? But you, you find it, and I'll, I'll be glad to sign okay. it. Okay. Okay. <laughs>